0: 100th episode of the Wake and Take podcast. On today's show, Brady and I sit down with Army Ranger Casey Van Pelt. He shares stories from his time training to be an Army Ranger as well as his time in the Rangers program. He's a fantastic human being and he joins us today for a very special episode of the Wake and Take podcast. Here he is, Casey Van Pelt. Casey Van Pelt joins us on the podcast now. a little different episode. We do a lot of sports guys, Casey, and you're a sports guy yourself, but we're going to talk a little bit Army, probably a little, little sports as well, too. We've been talking some sports. Um, but you were, in, you were an Army Ranger, and I don't know, do you still say you are an Army Ranger, or are you, are you officially out, or do you, do you never leave the, the Ranger?
1: <laughs> do you ever? Um, trick questions. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I guess the answer is I say I was, because um, I'm not currently, currently serving uh, in the 75th Ranger Regiment, but yep. 75th, okay. Yep, so yeah, background into into that is this, there's, right, the 75th Ranger Regiment, which is a special operations group of the Army, uh, and from there, I think they now have four battalions, but when I was in, it was three battalions, first, second, and third, um, out of different parts of the country, um, and so I was stationed um, and a part of 3rd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment.
2: And I think before we dive too deep, I was asking Brady about this before you got to your own apartment, actually, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Just taking you out here, (laughs) yeah. Um, But I would say I don't know that much just about the armed forces in general. So for those who are listening, what's the difference between the General
1: Army and then Army Rangers? Yep. Um, General Army, again, you know, you can't just, like, apply. Um, Navy SEALs might be the small exception. Um, I don't know if they write books and make movies. So I, I don't know how that all works. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Navy SEALs might be the small exception cause I know you kind of go straight into their pipeline. Um, but I, you know, if I were a betting man, I think they do go into some sort of Navy basic and then through that. So you do have mm-hmm. to, um, you know, similar with the Marines, um, and the army, you go through the big army to start the basic training, the, yeah. the Meps where you get medically boarded, um, and all of that. Um, and so, yeah, you uh, you basically um, enlist into the army. You have a, a certain it's called MOS. Um, if you ask me what that stood for, um, I'm sure I could look it up. Mm-hmm. MOS, MOS, I'll, I'll look it up right here. Yeah, we won't ask um, Yeah, the military <laughs> likes to throw around acronyms, and you just use them right after. And military you know, operation code, yeah. occupation code, occupation code. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you go in with a certain code, yep. um, and that will kind of dictate maybe what, um, what base you do your initial training in. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like infantry or um, armor, and maybe artillery takes place at like Fort Benning, which is where I was. And then like communications and intel might um, take place. Those basic trainings might take place at like, um, oh, is it Fort Rucker?
2: Um, so all across the U S right. Or is it more on the East coast?
1: Um, all across, all across the the country. Okay. Uh, but you do feel like the majority of the armies, you know, basic training and stuff are kind of central in that Southeast side of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So the army, I would say is like Southeast Marines. Um, I think they do have two basic trainings, um, which is camp Pendleton. um, then paris island so pendleton i think is california and um paris island south carolina yep um okay. and so i think yeah if you're yeah west of the mississippi you go pendleton east is paris but yeah everybody again goes through that the the boot camp uh, basic training and whatnot if you make it um there you then go to that mos so they for the majority of people, you stay there. You just kind of go to a different part of the base for that training. Um, and then from there, it's another graduation. And then you get, excuse me, a little bit more into that, more tailored um, uh, training or selection. Okay. Um, and so that's where if, you know, in your MOS or you had somehow picked up that contract um, to have an opportunity to go try out for the special operations, whether it's um, special forces um, or range regiment, or if you're in the Navy, you know, you're going to go try out to be a Navy SEAL, or if you're in the Marines, I think that's recon. Now there's also special operations that you can't apply directly to. Um, like if you guys wanted to join the Army tomorrow, you can apply straight to like SEAL Team 6. Mm-hmm. Those you have to spend time... Right. You know, in SEAL Team 10, you know, get into the to the SEAL teams yeah. and then move up to go there. Or like Delta Force um, and some of those um, smaller places you have to work your way up or be in the Army. You can sometimes actually apply straight from like a big Army um, unit or job. Okay. So and it's kind of like
2: they're... the special forces for the Army. Pretty much that's like the branch that the Army Rangers would be. Not yep. the branch, but the
1: yep. unit. So, and again, right there's like, you know, the news does it. Everybody throws around these different names. So special forces is actually a legitimate group, um, also known as like the Green Berets mm-hmm. um, in the Army. So that is also a special operations group. Okay. Um, and then, so the Army has of like, uh, so yeah, special forces would be um, unconventional special operations group, which means they fight unconventionally. Um, and then the 75th range regiment would be a conventional army, um, special operations group, um, which means we fight more in a conventional, what the rest of the army does. We just might do it in smaller groups with, you know, better equipment and, you know, mm-hmm. you know better funding or yeah. um, air assets. Um, so you have those, there's also, um, an, um, 160 at the night stalker. So they fly, um, so there, I guess there's real three or four special operation groups in the Army. But SF is, when when I talk about SF, is the Green Berets. And then okay. when I talk about myself, um, it would be, like, regiment or a bat boy, whatever they call us. Um, bat boy. Like and then, <laughs> like you that. know, 160th would be 160th. Uh, and then the the top tier would be, you know, like Delta Force. Okay. Um, and some of those guys. Um, so there's yeah, three or four different special operations. So when I just say I was in I'm technically not specifying. Okay. Kind no, of, I think that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. That is helpful. I mean, it's kind of, for an
0: outsider at least, it's confusing the hierarchy of, right. of the military and there's so many different yeah. branch off groups. Like this is the elite group of, of these people and this is the elite group of, of these people. But for, for the Army Rangers, how did you get selected into that program? Was that like a this guy is standing out in basic training and we got to get him into a an advanced program because this guy could...
1: You know, he could be good. Yeah, um, that is one possibility, and that's actually what um, more or less happened to me. Again, I wasn't, like, hand-chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, from the start of this, so if, like, you showed up into a recruiting office tomorrow, um, you would want to go in and ask for an option 40. Um, now, you could go try and get an option 40 with, like, your MOS being somewhere in the commo mm-hmm. world, which is, like, a uh, we won't go there, but a 30 series which is a communication MOS, the code. Yep. Um, or for like me, 11 Bravo with an option 40. Um, and so that option 40 would guarantee you an opportunity, assuming you didn't fail out of anything that's in that pipeline to get there, but it guarantees you an opportunity to try, um, to make that selection. Um, and in order for that, you got to pass basic, um, then you're kind of, Unit training yep. uh, for that MOS, then an airborne school, and then actual selection, which is called RASP.
0: RASP, and that's yep. like
1: the levels of training to get to that. The levels of training. Yep. Now back to can you be like more or less hand-picked? Um, so you can go into basic, and let's say, yep, it's 11 Bravo, similar to me. You're going through that pipeline, and you know, you're know you taking certain tests, like whether it's a, a PT test. Yep. Um, and if you start ranking half-decent well in those, um a 75th range regiment um, recruiter will kind of, or liaison mm. will come visit and I'll kind of get the the top 10 names that have been scoring the highest on the PT test. And yep. I'll say, Hey, would you like, but I've noticed you don't have a contract. Would you like to try this? You know, you'll get airborne school. Um, and so that's where I picked mine up and I had airborne school in mind, my contract to start. I didn't have like the full option 40, but uh, in basic training, Um, you know, I told my, uh, my cadre or drill sergeant that I was trying to do some bigger and better things. And so, you know, he was like, well, you got to do this, this, and this. And I said, cool, that's what I'll do. And then when the recruiter showed up, my name was you know somewhere on that list and, you know, 15 of us or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. listened to a brief and then signed our new contracts.
0: So that's interesting. I mean, I've heard you talk about the contracts before, but kind of explain how that works. So you sign a certain number of years or, and this is all assuming you pass the standards and the trainings and all that kind of stuff, Right. which I assume is done partly. Well, sounds like partly before and partly after, um, yep. how many years are you signing in? What does what, what does that contract look like? Or what does that even, what does that mean to, to an average civilian?
1: Yeah. So depending on the training, um, right. So back to like SF, they have two years built into their selection. It's really a two year selection. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like, the minimum contract you can get, I think, like, for SF is, like, maybe five and a half, but I think it's, like, six years, okay. which is what you give. That's the minimum. That's the minimum, and that's six years active. In the special operations, it's, like, a four-year minimum, um, and that's because there's these other schools that are built in that um, take time. And so that's kind of, you know, if you're going to spend two years in a school. Yep. And the Army technically only gets to have you working for them instead of them working for you, you know, for three years. And they want that two extra, and now you're at five, I think is how they would kind of arrive at that. Um, but, yeah.
0: Is there competitions between, like, I imagine it's kind of like, you know, relating back to sports here. But it's like a, a top high school recruit is getting recruited by Clemson. He's getting recruited by Alabama. He's getting recruited by, you know, whoever. <laughs> Yeah. Is there competition among the different recruiters of the special forces and operations that, like, oh, no, we want you, the Marines want you, or no, the Green Beret want you, no, know, the Navy
1: SEALs want you? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, mm. You know, like, I think there is a slight competition. The only difference, though, is, is um, right, you can take, like, you know, a, a top, you know, D1 recruits 40 time and, and base, like, you're recruiting off of that, or, mm-hmm. like, a little bit of film. Again, we don't have film, but like, so yeah, you can do PT tests, but again, anybody who's in there is like a, a pretty, pretty decent score on that test. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the, right, the big test is how do you perform under stress? Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to replicate. Um, you know, cause it's not like they're right. Drafting or recruiting out of like past wars, right? right? These are kids that have, <laughs> some of them never like held a gun before, you know? Um, and so it's, in a way, they're, like, they just base it all off of PT. Gotcha. Um, but, I, yeah, it, once you get in, a whole lot of competition and stuff like that. But I think on the level, they're all, they kind of already have their numbers. Yeah. And, you know, a win for the special operations is a win for, you know, special right. forces or Yeah, It's all one team. Yeah, so I guess I'll go back and say, no, not huge, like competition between the recruiters to get people into that program. But once you're in, that's competition you're in, amongst all is, the people that are it in. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To an unhealthy level. Probably. And, yeah.
0: and once you signed that contract with, for you, it, it was the army Rangers. Yep. Uh, were you guaranteed a spot or did you have to beat people out to get that spot?
1: Nope. You are, um, you're guaranteed to try out um, gotcha. for that and back into that contract. So Like I said, you'll sign a four or five, whatever that length is active. But the Army, I want to say, gets eight years total. Um, So if you sign, to make the math real easy, a four, exactly four-year contract, then when you get out, unless, like, you got blown up and you're completely incapable of ever serving again, the Army actually, you're still on a list, um, and you're part of the inactive military. So you could still be called up, like, I guess I could get called up right now and be like, you're, you, know, you have like a year left and stuff, whatever happened and wherever, and we're going to, we're going to need you back. Got you. Um, but so, yeah, you technically sign always an eight year um, contract. And then the question is, what are you serving active? How many active, how many inactive? <laughs> yep. And then, yep. In that contract, um, similar with, uh, so for the option 40, uh, and that will be your basic which means, oh. right? You're guaranteed, assuming you can, you pass the medical stuff. Yep. Um, that they don't find that, like, you know, you're missing a leg or something weird, right? right? Yeah. Um, you're gonna go to basic, assuming, yep. You pass that, you will then go to your one station unit, so your kind of technical training for whatever MOS, and then um, you will go to airborne school, assuming you pass that. You will then go to the actual selection which is your end game and then from that that's where your your contract or what's been guaranteed to you yep um ends so if you're not selected or any of those fail other than basic training that would prevent you from basically end, like staying in the military mm-hmm. you're kind of up to what the army wants um which is uh, for me like a big um was always a worry. Um, cause I mean, you just hear people's stories about if you don't make it, the army could send you wherever you could get sent to like, you know, a base up in Alaska where you, you know, for <laughs> six months out of the year, you barely see the sun yeah, or something, you know, and you just get a stupid job doing nothing right. basically. Um, mm-hmm. and again, yeah, you leave that wow. up to the powers there's, that be. So, so there's some pressure there. Quite For a bit. sure. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. Let alone your own ego. Right. Right. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So when you say contract, because so I'm just thinking over here, when I think of contract, I think like, okay, you're going to do this for a set amount of years, which obviously is what you do. But there's also a financial portion of a contract when it comes to my mind. So the financial side of things, I have no idea how that works in the armed forces at all. Yeah. Like being an armed ranger obviously is more specialized than being in the army, just like the SEAL Team Six or the Green Berets. So when you sign that contract, is there more of a financial incentive? Do you get paid more than just being in the general army? How does the whole financial aspect of those contracts work?
1: Yep. Um, so for the majority of people, um, like there's no signing bonus. Um, probably similar to Wright Sports. Um, some people sign for free, um, I assume. Um, so there are some contracts that you your. Um, you're signing that contract, but there's no incentive to sign, um, or to finish those other than your own incentives, incentives yep. to not fail and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are people that will get like a 30,000 bonus. And in that contract, it says you have to complete or get to and finish RASP to get that 30,000.
2: And what is RASP mean again?
1: Uh, Ranger Assessment and Selection Program. Okay. Um, uh, Back before, I think this is 06. Yeah, 2006. It was called RIP. Um, prior to, I guess, 2006, um, and then after 2006, and RIP what, stood for Ranger Indoctrination Program, and they and it was like a three-week program back then. Um, renamed it, revamped, you know, revamped and rebranded. Yeah,
0: I can see indoctrination. Maybe yeah, not the right word right. to use, especially. <laughs>
1: Fast forward, um, yeah, yeah <laughs> 13 years. Uh, so, yeah, now it's it's RASP, and it's a six-week selection course. Okay.
2: Yeah. And how was that, going back to, like, if you're going to be an Army Ranger, there's, like, a whole, like, PT, which I assume means physical training? Yep, yep. Okay. There's, like, a whole process of being in there. How did that compare to, like, basic training in the Army?
1: Um, it is it's a whole nut, right you can't compare and you only know what you know at that point in time um right like when we were in middle school playing um i know people call it pop warner but for us it was just like yeah eighth grade football right where yeah. i came from yeah <laughs> anyway. me too um but like right eighth grade football was like you know it was tough it was like but it was you know it's the coolest thing we ever did and then you play high school and you guys went on to play college right i didn't but each time it gets cooler or just it's a different experience each time um so right to like to people that all they did was go through they might be like yeah basic was like you know we got to do all this stuff and and whatnot uh for basic i mean i have a couple memories of it but it's not what what holds the you know the yeah it was nothing crazy to me compared to the other training that happened afterwards um yeah Are you able to
2: speak about any of the crazy things that you experienced during, like, your Army Ranger training? Well, let's start
0: with basic for a second. Give it a score out of 10, just to kind of put it all on a scale. Like, difficulty, mental fatigue, or whatever, or the pressure they put you on, the stress. Give it a score out of 10, if you can, and then we'll compare, like, that versus rasp and everything
1: else yeah how about we do two scales right sure. of what i thought it was in the moment <laughs> yeah and then once you yeah, yeah. yeah once, like you know you are like okay yeah. in reality yeah right because it was your right. first. that was your first yeah, step your first was bone training. you break if it's a finger you're like that's a 10 right then you snap yeah, a you know, femur you and you're know, like, like no you that wasn't that was even it. on the scale right yep. yeah so perfect i think in the moment you know basic was like as a whole i'd give it like a, a six or a seven And at moments, you know, I thought it was, like, the end of the world. So at moments, it was, to me, like, I guess 10 would mean it was. So, yeah, I'd give it a 6 and an 8. It was consistently a 6, and at times, you know, it felt pretty, pretty tough.
0: And what would you say for Rasp?
1: Uh, Rasp. In moment. In the moment, uh, there were, I mean, there were 11s. Uh, but there were tens absolutely in the moment. Um, and again, my mind, so for the scale, you know, my mindset in the end is, well, if you finished or you got through it, it couldn't have been a 10, but in the moment, you know, it was like, I mean, I absolutely thought about, you know, walking over to Kadra and be like, I think this is silly and I'm out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so there, yeah, there were some tough, tough times in there. So definitely tens, I would say consistently once again, like, uh, Uh, Seven, seven to an eight. Seven to an eight. Yeah. What was one of those moments where you're like, "This is, this is, I've had enough." Yeah, this is
2: an eleven. I gotta go. tie. I gotta get out of here.
1: To try and explain this correctly, which we'll just start kind of going into rest because it plays a part into Mm -hmm. how I got to an eleven. Sure. Um, We were. Um, and I think I said, by the way, Rasp was a six-week course; it's eight. I was mistaken. Okay. I, you know, in the in the fog of war. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I, um, already. but so on week three, you go to a place called Colt Range. In fact, by the way, I think Discovery Channel did that uh, series of Surviving the Cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rasp is on there, so they talk a little bit about Colt Range there. But Colt Range is you basically be are taken away from like the. Uh, the stricter like formal training area right with mm-hmm. barracks and running water and you get taken <laughs> to this field um and they take you there for i think it's like four days i think it's five days four nights okay and um you i want to say you do a 10 mile road march out there um, and that's time, so you have probably no less than, you know, 40 pounds. I'm sure it was more, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's kind of what the minimum is. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for RASP, it's kind of your rate around 40. because so I think the true minimum dry and a ruck is basically like a, um, a backpack with, like, some sort of a frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can put a lot of equipment or weight um, in there. But, yeah, 10-mile road march out to this place, cold Range, um, with... You know, your your week's kind of clothing, which is, you know, maybe three uniforms, like six pairs of socks. Um, believe it or not, they didn't let you wear underwear. Um, <laughs> oh. And wow. the reason being, yeah, who really knows, yeah. you know, why all these things happen. Uh, but the reason being is most of your heat, um, right, is in your armpits, um, around your neck, and then in your crotch section um right when it's winter out that's where most Mm -hmm. of your heat is um and so if you have extra clothing down there you end up trapping that and then there's really no or there's a handful of other ways that heat is going to escape but in georgia where this training was uh right in fort benning georgia Mm -hmm. um during the summer it'll hit like 107 degrees and then you right and that's like um with like Seventy five percent humidity, maybe higher. So like heated indexes are like 110, 115. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's like instant sweat when you walk
0: outside heat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. with,
0: um, with at least forty pounds on your back.
1: Yeah. You're you you're drenched. Walk. When you <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you finish some of these physical events that have you do, it looks right like you just completely submerge yourself in a in a lake or a pond or whatever and mm-hmm. and then showed up. Um, So yeah, you're always losing a lot of, a lot of fluids. So anyway, yeah, you, you do this road march out. um, And then they, it's basically a place to, I mean, really make you quit. um, And then test your land nav navigation abilities, Mm. um, which is all you have is like a a map, a protractor, a compass, a flashlight, and a pencil. Wow. Um, And you're given the grids of four yeah five points um and you have four hours to go find as many points as possible and they do this you yeah they do day into night to start so you start with two hours of daylight to do hours of no daylight so um, two hours a day two hours a night four hours total Mm -hmm. and then you come back you know you bring your score sheet where you write what um what point you thought was at that um, at those grid coordinates that were given to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're graded on that. Excuse me. Jersey Mike's is coming up Um, (laughs) and um, you're great on that. And then they put you to bed more or less um, after some fun games, they'll put you to bed and then you wake up two hours again, you're waking up far before this, but, They'll send you out into two hours of night, which is really early morning, mm-hmm. into two hours of daylight, which is again like that once the sun has come up. Yeah, mm-hmm. first two hours of sun. Um, yeah, so that's night. And then kind of again, depending how you view it. Um, so two iterations, you yeah. know, and it's been less than 12 hours. Um, and then um, you'll do that again. So you're technically into that second day. And then you'll, that second night, you'll do. Day into night, and then night into day, and that might be about it.
0: What What Land is the there. terrain like that you're um, kind of working through? I mean, you're, yeah. some of it's in the night, so how how can you even see?
1: Um, you can't. There now, there are a couple road slash trail systems in there that they allow you to stay on. You can't be on okay. the border mm-hmm. roads, um, so they ask you <laughs> to stay fifteen meters off of that um but you know if you've ever spent time in the woods it's takes time and energy to walk like through the woods yeah Mm -hmm. um and so yeah the key is to stay on some sort of beaten path the best you can Mm -hmm. or if you can't just to again kind of stay where you are or stay as close to some of those roads so it's called hand railing a road is the military term what we all used and that way you kind of have a reference point instead of like getting kind of lost yeah. in the woods. But, um, yeah, you're in Columbus, Georgia. So you're um, right on the west side of Georgia, east side of Alabama. Um, the whole base actually borders the Chattahoochee River. Mm-hmm. I think they wrote songs about that oh, way yeah. down yonder. Way <laughs> um, down, yeah. So it's, it's pretty swampy yeah. in there. It's not a swamp, um, but it's it's hillyish terrain. Um can be very rainy they do say you're never at cold range unless it rains mm. um so yeah it's rainy you know and if it's you know between late spring and late fall it's pretty hot mm.
0: there yeah. and yeah. how many rangers are with you at this time or how big is, the, is the training group that goes out there
1: i think you start i want to say like 180 mm. um people and by the, probably the first night, first or second night of this land nav, you probably dropped close to 90 or 80 people.
0: Wow. From guys just dropping out of it.
1: Yep. People I'm that gone. either couldn't, couldn't make it to them um, or the land nav got them. So they make mm-hmm. it out there and then, um, and they couldn't
0: find any coordinates,
1: um, uh they could or again you're not so you know we're getting to to the scale of 11 here but um you're you're basically asked each night to find as many points possible there's five total you don't know how many they want yeah right so like the bare like the minimum could be 2 mm-hmm. um I don't think it is, but so it's a little bit of a mind game that they play. Cause they don't tell you what the max score is. So you don't know where you stand. You don't know if it's like, you know, you have to be in this percentile mm-hmm. of people with that many points to like continue on. Oh, okay. So it's a little I'm like sure. of a mind game. Yeah. And again, landev is, is tough, right? It's, it's miserable. You're not going out there like after like crushing a nice pancake breakfast and some coffee, <laughs> you know, you're like, you, I mean, you walk ten miles to get yeah. there, yeah. Um, and that was like the easy part.
2: Yeah. I'm guessing you have like barely any sleep too like between the nights. Yeah, waking up early and being out there before the sun rises.
1: Yep. Um. And so you're you're in a a military school, I um, And so that's some of the things that the games that get played, uh, which says you have to have a certain. I want to say it's like probably three hours of sleep a night. Holy cow. Um, which to me is like a lot. If you give me three hours straight, hmm. and this is where the catch is, again, right, you can't sustain that for two weeks or maybe even just a week. Mm-hmm. But like three hours is a decent amount, you know, like that's yeah. a good nap. Yeah. Um, and once your body becomes used, use, you can actually perform decently well on okay. three. Huh. But again, it says they have to have at least three hours of sleep a day.
2: That's like the rule. That's the rule. But it's never three hours in a row.
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Or let's say someone wants to be generous, like, you know, someone higher up is, is around supervising. Mm. Well, I'm not going to give you three hours in the middle of the night where it's nice and cool. You know, <laughs> if it's August, I'm going to put you out in the middle of a field. Yeah. Right. In 107, you can't sleep at 107. Yeah. You're just, your body's focusing on a couple different other things at that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, sure. but right. What you do with that time as long as I, right, or I don't do this, but the cadre that are running it, and now it's, hey, this is your time to sleep, enjoy, you know, you manage that now. So yeah, they have their ways of really, really screwing you down. So I would say in the five days, so really four nights, I probably got a total of like 45 minutes. It felt like, um, I would assume a day of sleep. Wow. And how do you? Yeah, we'll say an hour, yeah. hour a night. How
0: do you keep the motor going? How, how, like, does the body just take over at that point and it's survival mode and it's adrenaline all day to keep, just keep your body going?
1: Yeah. It's, I don't even know if you have a. I'm, I'm sure there is adrenaline. Um, but yeah, it really becomes your motivation to be part of this, you know, this group of special operations. Um, so it all comes down to, to motivation and how bad do you want, like how much are you willing to give? um, And yeah, but it, I mean, it's, and this is where you start hitting some of those points where you, you are so beaten that you really do question. Like, I don't know how much more I can take. Yeah. um, You know?
0: So that, but, yeah. that, that first night, that March, not the first night, but that, that March out to, to the field and, <laughs> How many, you said five days, four nights. That was the, the yep. was that the first time you were really like, maybe this isn't for me. And obviously it was for you or, or you stayed in it at least. But was that, that was the first time that it was really like, wow, am, am I cut out for this?
1: Yeah. So it was actually after it is when I was like, um, I think you always, uh, you, I mean, maybe some people can be like, yeah, it was just, I was hundred percent the whole time and it was going to crush it. Um, I was confident, but I mean, there were times where I was not sure, you know, that I was truly going to, to make it. Cause again, it is tough, but yeah. So I hit my point where I was like, I think this is kind of dumb, right? Mm-hmm. Like I haven't slept in forever, um, at the end of that week. So I had, um, I thought I had made it. Um, another thing that kind of hits you with at the end of that week is peers, so you're part of you, you know you um, you're split into two sections. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the in the selection at the time in the course, so two platoons, are usually by last name. So you got like I don't know what's in the middle of the alphabet, but I'm gonna go with like M. M. Yeah, I was gonna say M too. Um So like anybody with the last name M to X. X is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the back half of the alphabet. The back that's, half, that's yeah, your, yeah. Yeah make sure I don't sound like a moron yeah. <laughs> uh, the last 13
0: letters yeah the last <laughs> um,
1: is part of like second platoon and then A mm-hmm. through M is um, part of first and then they make break that into like four squads um, and then you get peered in that squad so like if we were all in a squad I'd be like hey Brady I thought Brady performed well he was always helpful whatever you know, I really don't have anything crazy bad to say.
0: You know. So you're peer reviewing everybody. Everybody. Your-
1: and they're peer reviewing wow. you. Sure. Um and so I mean there are people that you are like, no, I you know, he was he helped me like, you know, with whatever. Mm-hmm. A team player, Yeah, you, you say nice things and then there's people and it kind of sucks that sometimes there's a lot of them. You're like, I don't remember that guy. And so because you don't kind of put him towards the end and if that happens and he's like the little man on and then there are people that um i remember peering a guy out um that was just you know again who's to say i'm a decent human being but just not no one i would like to go to war with Mm -hmm. um which usually you don't run into that usually it's like oh he means well or something but this is just like no man you don't i know you don't belong here Mm -hmm. not saying i do but i know you don't yeah yeah
0: and at that point, how long have you been in the military? Was that already a year in? <laughs> no, before you started peer
1: reviewing. Uh, and? I, I mean, got that's in. That's a and, big responsibility. Yeah, in March, I was in this course. End of. End of August, or, or this was okay. probably in September. So, so I, I, really I had five, a, or, five, six five from, or six months. Five or six months. Okay. Yep.
0: And how many were you peered with, or how many did you? Was that like ten people? Or probably twelve. Twelve. Okay. 12
1: and that, yeah, would be my guess.
2: And at the time this was going on, how old were you in all
1: this? Uh, When I got to selection, um, they hold you, so you show up from airborne school, this whole pipeline to get there. Um, When I showed up my first day in like they call it pre wraps, so Mm. the holding cell before you go to actual selection, um, I had just turned 20. Mm. Yep, so I was 20 years old.
2: And was that pretty similar to those around you in age?
1: Yep. I would say you probably didn't have anyone below the age of 19. Um, average. There's always maybe a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you had some older older cats in there. You'd have um, one of my good friends. I mean, he was probably 25, 25. Um, a couple like twenty-eight year olds. Mm. I think there was a thirty-one year old. Um, so you kind of get yeah a couple different walks, but yeah, I would say the majority is between you know late nineteen to to 22,
0: 23.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can't
0: imagine doing that. I mean, like you are a thirty-one year old with a bunch of twenty-year-olds or you know twenty-three-year-olds or whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. The
1: uh, yeah, it. I think it is. And then the the toughest part, which we really haven't. Um, talk too much about, but once you get in, um, it's a seniority um, styled system. So let's say, right, I am one of those guys that went through selection at, you know, 18, fresh 18. um, And now I've spent, you know, three, four years. So I'm a team leader in Ranger Regiment. And now a 32 year old, right, like three years after me shows up through selection he's under me, mm-hmm. right? So I've now gone to ranger school and these other like little selections that go on. And now you're like, you know, a 21-year-old is in charge of a 31-year-old. Yeah. It, it doesn't always work out yeah. super well. Yeah. So yeah, you get these different dynamics and it probably is weird, but also it, 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 I think it's pretty cool because you have um, these people who aren't taking orders, you know? Um, yeah. And if you're smart, you know, you do realize that, oh, I have a 31-year-old who actually was working out in the oil fields in like, you know, Colorado or whatever, obviously you, you know, you can't be buddy buddy with the dude who is under you and hasn't done some of the things, but you know, if you're a mature and decent leader, you're going to be like, Hey, I, you know, I, you're 31, you have experience, right? You know, maybe it's not the experience I have, but you got to learn a little bit. So yeah, there's some cool things that do happen because of, uh, because of that.
0: You can give them some more responsibility and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. What what would you say besides, so was RASP school the last kind of step to becoming a full Army Ranger, or was there one, or was there other things too?
1: There are some other things. So to get into Ranger Regiment, you have to go through that selection. Yep. Then to stay in, um, so stay in the special operations, they they say you have to go to and complete Ranger school in 18 months of coming to Ranger Regiment. Otherwise, They'll kick you out. Um, and so that's the kind of next selection, but there's also a selection kind of getting there because now you're you're considered like privates in in Ranger Regiment. So everybody in that battalion, there's three of them, like I, I talked about in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, is competing for a certain amount of spots each class for this Ranger School. That's like your sole purpose once you show up other yeah. than, again, gaining experience understanding your job and your roles um and being a team player on your your squad and in your platoon and in your company is to again be crushing and tip-top shape um, physically to get to, to a spot for ranger school or in range school
0: and what does that look like in terms of training are you guys working out every day or is it just the tasks that they put you through like when i say working out like Lifting weights, you know, doing, I'm sure you're doing push ups all day, but is the working out kind of built into the training where it's like you're, you're training for, I don't know, 16 hours a day and the entire thing is a workout or is it, you're doing all this training for a day. And then at the end of the day, they say, okay, now you gotta go pump iron for two hours.
1: Um, Yeah. You usually start your day depending on what you're doing, but you usually start your day with a workout. Um, so you, you know, you show up to the companies where you basically your office, mm-hmm. we'll call it, um, it probably around six, maybe five 30. You know, if you have like duties or right, you're low man on the totem pole, you definitely don't want to be the last one into your, mm-hmm. so, you know, you're showing up maybe right before six, um, and you'll kind of do a formation and then you'll go out for a workout, usually led by your squad leader. Um, So that's how your day starts. Um, Then you might get kind of a breakfast. Then you might go into what you're doing for the day. Maybe that's going to the range to shoot, or maybe that's you're practicing um, some sort of drill um, with a couple other squads, which is a workout, right? You're running through fields and and coordinating attacks, whatever, and that's what you're practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could go for... I mean, into like three or four in the morning. Depends on some things. Um, Jeez. And then you might not show up super early that next day because you were out till. But usually you always are doing a workout to start your day. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there are days where you're like in the mortar pool checking on vehicles, making sure things are like more or less squared away for if if something happens, you got to use them. But um, you're, again, starting your day with a workout and then you're usually doing something relatively active during the day,
0: the day. so the, yeah, you start with a workout, but it's kind of a workout too, yep. the rest of the way, depending on the day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, what, what were some of the kind of missions that they would have you simulate in training that, that you're allowed to talk about or that, yeah, that you like what were some of the cooler ones that you did?
1: Um, yeah, so mission, and again, a little bit about the 75th Ranger Regiment. I think our biggest advertisement is, um, um. We really advertise the ability to seize major airfields um, anywhere in the world, you know, in like 24 hours or less. I think it's 18 hours um, is what we advertise. So that's what like our number one, like when you t- the, for the Navy SEALs, right, is like um, maritime operation hostage rescue is what like a Navy SEAL would be like. That's what the Navy SEALs do. Mm-hmm. And we'll make a movie now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no. Um, we'll get into that later. Yeah. It sounds
0: like there's some, there's something that t- there's a story. You have there. to. You I always got to get yeah. jabs, even yeah. if it's okay. you know. Um, it's just a little friendly I jab. I got oh, you. yeah, totally. yeah.
1: Okay. Um, but yeah. So Ranger Regiment is the major airfield seizure, which is like an airborne operation. um And then because there's not airfields to seize every day, um, there's a lot of bad people out there. Our second. And what we've been doing, you know, since the beginning of the war on terror uh, has been kill capture high value targets. So um, there are certain times where really you're specializing on the airborne operations and that side of thing. But the rest of the time, it's really um, about um, getting your your room clearing and those kind of close quarter um, situations squared away um, and dialed in as a team as a squad, and those sort of things. Um, Because that's, again, what what everybody's doing over on deployment, is that type of work. So that's really what you work on, is, again, a lot of um, shooting and marksmen, and then um, your kind of close quarters um, skills.
2: When you're doing any of these missions, do you ever enjoy them in the moment? Or like, hey, this is actually a pretty cool one? Or is it always just the mindset, I've just got to get through today to see tomorrow, just take one day at a time?
1: missions in stateside or like over in
2: stateside i'd say like more so okay like training like missions training, training that missions. That putting you through yeah
1: um they're pretty they're pretty stressful um because you're being usually you're being graded um and um so it's 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 like a test so it's kind of yeah you're just trying to live to to see another day yeah and to not embarrass yourself or your squad or your platoon mm-hmm. um, and again you're, it's a competition too at the same time because you're competing against you know there's a handful of companies in each battalion and each of them have a you know two platoons and there's four squads so mm-hmm. you're competing against all these usually other companies to see who gets a spot on this next deployment mm-hmm. right to go do what you're training um, for um, so yeah there's a lot of pressure and competition in, in some of these scenarios for sure.
0: So are they, uh, they being like military leaders? Are they looking at like, okay, this, this squad completed this mission in X next amount of time versus this squad complete this mission in this amount of time. Yep. Let's go with this squad.
1: Right. If it's X amount kinda, of time. It might be, you know, if they're, um, if you're doing a lot of shooting, yeah. it's less maneuvering. Sure. Right. Where are their hits? Yeah. Well, or even know, more efficient. Right. With so the it's, it's right. It's time. Yeah. And, and safety. How, how well did they do that? considering the time right um yeah
2: so there's always somebody with you just grading you like follow constantly following you around yeah like they're almost part of the platoon that way where they're doing everything except like the actual shooting but they're just going wherever you go and grading all of you guys
1: yeah during actual kind of graded missions or you know training missions yeah you always have have someone who and it's a control group you know they kind of watch everybody so Mm -hmm you'll have certain days where everyone's out there and they just watch. Let's say it's like my company that day. They're going to watch them. And so that'll be a day, uh, like a whole thing because in most everything we do, um, again, we do a lot of things during the night. Um, Well, we really, that's all we do. But you do day iterations. So where they grade you on how you perform during the day. And then they do it at night when you're under night vision cause it's a whole nother world when that comes into play. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, the next day they might grade another, another company, but it's usually the same people. So it's not, there's no bias or anything in there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember you telling me, and maybe I'm remembering it not quite right, but, oh. um, in training at some point you were saying that, like, and I'm sure this happens quite a bit, they wake you up at three o'clock in the morning, you getting on an airplane and they drop you out in the middle of the desert for days of training out there was, it, was there a mission like that or am i remembering that wrong there, or not a mission <laughs> but like a training where they they throw you an airplane that you jump out of an airplane They're like all right you're here for three days or whatever oh go 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 find
1: something or go do whatever yeah 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 um no was it well yeah there's a little bit of maybe storytelling in there um <laughs> but we're all for storytelling here yeah no no, no. there's so there's Based off of what you said, there's two things that I could have maybe been been talking about. And that's ranger school, mm-hmm. which there is, um, yeah, that would have been Florida phase. Um, so you do get, you do an airborne operation, basically airborne jump with everything. And that's, you're actually out there for 10 days um, and you're patrolling. So you're doing missions and being graded. Um, so that's, that's one of them, which is probably, that's one it sounds like just minus the desert in a little bit longer time. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we would do some training in the deserts where you're, you're kind of operating, never that long. Um, Cause again, that's not what we advertise. We're not like, we're not SF where we're gonna go like embed ourselves mm-hmm. with, um, with a foreign entity and convince them or go fight alongside of them. Yeah. We're strictly there to um, mess stuff up mm-hmm. um, and then leave. Um, So we're not trying to like spend more time than we have to. Right. So on average, you know, most of the the training is like, you know, if we are out there for more than three days, there would be like a lot of unhappy people. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: from the sounds of the Rangers are, you know, they're going in to kill this guy or they're going in to rescue this person or whatever, but it's not a, we're going in to establish a government and try to build roads for them and create a society.
1: Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a a direct action typically thing, which yeah, takes not super long. And when you finally
0: were deployed, so let's, let's go back first. Mm -hmm. How many years of total training stateside from day one until you're shipped out to wherever the first
1: location was? Um, it would have been basically right around two years. Mm Okay. of of really strict training, right? Whether you're in ranger school or RASP uh, or you're at your company and you're just training with them. So not as strict or stressful, per se, yeah. as some of the, the selections. But, yeah, I mean, really basically two years straight of perfecting yourself and your squad and those sort of things. And where were you shipped first to, or where was your first deployment? Uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. First and only, yeah. First and only. And how long ago
2: was that? From now,
1: from now we are in August. So, been four years ago. Okay, twenty seventeen. Twenty
2: seventeen.
1: Yeah,
0: and I saw the picture over there. And so, wh- where were you stationed in Afghanistan?
1: Um, are you allowed to say or? Yeah. 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 Right outside of Kabul. So, right the town where that is, where everything's yeah, going, is going on to, recently. Yeah. So, Bagram Airfield. Okay. Um, yep. And I think it's the biggest like base slash airbase in Afghanistan.
0: And you're with how many rangers at that point? Because you've already went through all the training and everything. You've split into your battalions. But how many rangers are you with? Like, your peer group is is how many?
1: My peer group, so who, like, I'm, again, like, as a platoon, you know, you're looking at, you know, a couple of them go over there. So, like, 30 per platoon. So, 60. But of, like, who's really who you would work with um, is 30. And then who you're um, really like who I room with and the people I really know. Um, although, I mean, you're close with everybody in that platoon, but yeah, you're in kind of rooms like four, four or five people. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: and what, what was that time? Like, how long were you there? And I know you were probably going and doing, like, like you said, you're doing missions in two days here or 24 hours there or whatever. So I'm sure you're moving around. Yeah. quite a bit to different countries in the middle east and, and maybe in other places as well but what was an average day maybe there wasn't an average day there but what did an average day look like
1: no, it was actually pretty like consistent because um, you had times where for other factors that i won't talk about um where you know you're not going out mm-hmm. um and then there are times where every night you're kind of getting ready and you're really waiting on a weather call um the environment or terrain out there is kind of similar to, I don't know. I'd say weather-wise, I guess we'll just go like Denver. Um, I would say like Arizona, but with the mountains of Colorado. So we'll just we'll split even and go Denver. Um, you have the mountains. You're sitting, I think, at the exact, not exact, but very similar elevations. Um, Denver and uh, that Kabul and that airfield, I think, yeah. is right around like five thousand feet in elevation. Um, and then the, the mountains give off odd storms, you know, it can be mm-hmm. perfectly fine weather where you're at, but like the next valley over is getting hit mm-hmm. with a storm. Yeah. Um, and, and so you'll be waiting on, all right, is that storm going to roll through? Can, do we have to go through that storm? Mm-hmm. Um, but really what we're looking for, you know, is we want to be able to see where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, we want every advantage. We don't fight fair. Uh, if we're showing up to a fair fight, or I mean that's when people get killed mm-hmm. um, yeah, um so yeah, the average day, depending on that cycle um and and just that whole kind of experience it was it was the best of times, and it was towards the end the worst of times for for a couple of different reasons, but your average day i mean you would I would wake up, I would go work out would come back a shower i would go eat technically dinner so we were on a reverse schedule so i woke up at like seven o'clock in technically i was up at like six thirty, um in the evening mm, is okay. when our day started mm. um and so you'd wake up right the base is on normal time so they're eating dinner so your first meal is di- like it's dinner dinner style yep sure and then, yeah. So I'd work out, eat breakfast, dinner but they options. They feed you dinner food. Yeah. So okay, like you yeah. could eat pizza for yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for breakfast. Yeah. But um, and they usually have like a, you know, some options that are kind of neutral, um, mm-hmm. like chicken, yeah. know, or something. Um, but yeah, I would wake up, I'd run, um, do some sort of cardio in the morning, go eat breakfast, um, and then come back, and kind of chill for maybe two hours so play some pga golf you know some tiger woods <laughs> something like that yeah. you know taxpayer dollars at work <laughs> oh, Love it. <laughs> um, awesome. those in all of our um in each room yeah that's probably like anyway 72 inch 72 hmm. is a lot yeah that's, that's big, big that's a big tv big know, from like there to there like, like, from we'll the, it, like a like, 50 inch tv so that's, so like, that's like a, f- a big, 50 inch yeah. A big, yeah that's a big tv yeah so huge tv yeah and we like had stadium seating so there would be like that couch there yeah and then they'd put a box like a wood box and mm-hmm. then they would oh, put like another so you couch see over over there. Over yeah. There. yeah we did that at our college yeah, yeah. house for yeah. a couple of weekends okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we've done um, stadium so. seating
0: we're all well, we're well very familiar yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I bet the uh, FIFA games
1: or the PGA games, like you say it would get intense because you got all the guys watching and yeah. whatever. FIFA was, um, I know someone had FIFA. But again, Madden um, was, PGA was kind of big, you, mm-hmm. had, you know, four people going. Yeah. Um, and then I think, yeah, UFC mm. 2016 with McGregor and <laughs> yeah. Ronda Rousey had just come Ronda, out. sure. So that was yeah. a big, you know. Yeah, I could just see is, like
2: guys getting hyped about that, oh, and, like, yeah. betting on it, and Rod I got Rousey ask,
1: beating the shit out of like Holly, yeah. uh, whatever.
2: <laughs> and I gotta ask because you see it in every single war movie,
1: like there's Excuse just guys
2: me. like gambling cigarettes. <laughs> Did that? Was take there a lot of out there? It's
1: more modern. No, so now the big army, yeah, and that's kind of like I don't know. We're not gonna go there, but big army loves to smoke. Again, not everybody. In big army
0: is just the general army. Is that General what you're army, okay, yeah. Sorry,
1: um, yeah. There's a lot of smoking mm-hmm. in the big army. Um, no one really smokes. There's a couple. They're usually anomalies mm-hmm. that smoke in the special operations. Just because it's like it kind of is like an oxymoron. If you're yeah. in yeah. special operations and then you're yep. smoking like cancer sticks. Yeah, you it makes know? sense. Yeah. Uh, but chewing is, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's an absurdity there. Out of control. Yeah, <laughs> next next level out there, man. How do you get chew out there? Is there stores? Or is there just yeah, there's stores. Um, most yeah, that's what, what I'm wondering. Like, Is, is it coming it,
2: from the U.S. or is
1: it just like Afghan chew? Oh, yeah, no, it's coming from... From the U.S. straight from yeah, like okay. South Carolina, they, Copenhagen. Are they buying? North.
0: Like, I'm totally up for like paying for all
1: servicemen's chew and
0: dip and whatever they want. Like, <laughs> no, you, whatever they need. You definitely
1: gonna... they are paying for that. They're paying are. for their own thing. Okay. Yep. Um. So like their wives or girlfriends or like family members. So they're gonna their, ship their mom to will something. like. They'll have their mom send over like four four logs. Yeah. You know, and she'll like be like. I do not approve, but because you're, like, risking your life, here you yeah, go. It's yeah, kind of funny. Like get funny. Guilt. They still get it, you yeah. know, it's like, but I don't approve. Yeah, you know? get the nasty letter. Yeah. They got to be the mom at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, um, That's funny. yeah a lot of, lot of chew. But, yeah, it's coming from, I think, some of the PXs. Um, and PX is, like, your uh, mercantile or, like, grocery store. Mm-hmm. They're on the bases. I think PX is what the Air Force and the Army have, or call them.
0: So it's a commissary. So food wise Do you You have the option To eat all your meals From Like The army's cooks Or whatever Yep and, But you also have Grocery stores and stuff You can buy extra food at Or you can have A little Little area to store Your own food
1: Yeah You can um, So Yeah like I would have um, Someone Or I would like You know Buy things from Amazon I think Amazon was sh- Able to ship things To our base To Afghanistan wow. That's yeah. insane So, so now <laughs> Again crazy. like Right, you talk to, like, someone in my shoes or the big army back in, you know, 06. Things were still pretty elementary over there. I didn't have Wi-Fi in our barracks, but it was supposed to when I showed up. Um, but, like, that was non-existent, like, a year before that. Yeah. Um, so, no, the deployment, I you know, it's like a... Like, Bagram is, like, it's a huge military base. No... I, I don't know. I was on a very small part of it mm-hmm. for a certain reasons. And, you know, I only left it to either get on a helicopter to go somewhere or to like walk to the chow hall that was open at one in the morning because that's when we would go eat lunch um, or maybe go to like a commissary. But kind of everything we needed, which was a gym, like a Wi-Fi cafe and a, mm-hmm. a defect or a dining facility was on our on our base that was like, so there's our base and then there's guards that guard our little base Yep. in this bigger base. And then there's a huge hmm. base around that. Oh, Okay. So you're um, in the middle of kind of not yeah. necessarily, the I guess it place. doesn't matter now. I mean, no one's over there. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like nowhere, like actually against the corner. So the back of our, is kind of, oh, okay. um, I was on the second, oh, second story balcony and I could like watch these Afghani farmers like pick I don't know what yeah, dates I think mm. I don't know maybe it was a day drive, but like farm across this fence line you know you wow. have like a, a turret yeah. up here hmm. that some some do I don't know I never but some do the big army is is sitting up there guarding or maybe they're paid contractors uh, but so we are like right against this back part so Would you, you ever like
2: interact to? with like the Afghanistan Afghani civilians
1: Yeah there's a couple markets which I you know don't exactly know how this all worked, but I, they were right towards some of these gates, but they were technically inside the base, so I think, mm. right? They went through a pretty strict screening process, yeah. but um, yeah, you, yeah, no, you'd go in these markets and like they'd sell you like fake knockoff brand like Oakley shades or sure. you know like, um, you know just iPods like jailbroke iPods mm. or something like <laughs> super ghetto. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, you'd go and like negotiate with these guys. These guys are like. Oh, man, they are, yeah, I'd be like, $50. You yeah. legitimately, like, walk them down to, like, 20 or they just, yeah. yeah. We, like, all right, no, and you'd be like, all right, see ya. They're <laughs> like, okay, we'll do $30, we will do 30 you know, and you will be like, okay, but I want this as well. And you'd, yeah, yeah. negotiate, huh. you'd, like, come back with some really, um, I brought some stuff. I brought my sister, yeah, like, this, like, you have anything. this bronze, um, bronze, like, Arabian horse, mm-hmm. she has it. Trying to think of I brought like scarfs back for sure. all the sisters, yeah um or shawls or whatever they call them, yeah, um do regs mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <Du-rags. Bog-lakov>. um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can find some cool, a lot of like old Russian stuff, mm. the Soviets that left stuff, yeah. So, yeah, um yeah, so no I interacted with was some your of like those experience
2: locals. with um like positive overall, like obviously you weren't over there to talk with the civilians, but the people that you interacted with, was it just like, these people are from a different part of the world, but these are good people that I'm talking to.
1: Yeah. Um, there definitely were and we were training next to the, um, KKA. So, uh, the Kataka, which is the Afghanis army's like special operations group. Mm. Um, and, um, so you would work alongside of them. None of them usually spoke good English or at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're always around a Terp, but they, I mean, they were good. Those were the people that were like out. They wanted to go fight. Yeah. Right. It was their country and they were gung ho about getting rid of, at that time we were going after like ISIS people mm-hmm. um, and the ISIS group. And that's what they wanted to do. And they had right similar to why I was there had gone through certain um so and procedures to be able to do that. So it's kind of cool to work with a group um, that like wanted to take back their country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And were there certain
0: Because at least what I've read is there's not a ton of people like that in Afghanistan. I mean, there's a certain groups, but there's also some people that are hired by the government to work. Did you have any experience with those type of people or were you working with exclusively with Afghani
1: citizens that were trying to fight? Um, no, and again, this was like a formal group of the army, um, the Kataka. And then outside of that, other than never like a local, I mean, I think we were obviously like intelligence wise, we're using locals and stuff like that. But outside of that, then it was the only conversations I would have with people we ran into at a place or random locals or whatever, um, you know, looking for someone or trying to get someone. Sure. Um, Cause I mean, yeah, there's, yeah.
0: What was kind of their reaction to you? Like when you mentioned you walk into one of their stores, were they happy to see Americans for the most part? I mean, I'm sure it varied depending on the person, but what was their reaction to American soldiers being in their town?
1: Um. So, I mean the, right. The people that would like sell stuff. So these like bazaars, I think is what they're called. Um, they were pretty f- friendly in a way again right they wanted your money yeah um and there were some kind of no one has ever really cared right they just wanted you to come in and look and whatever but no one was like tell me about where you come from right we were i think that's who we as americans are like we want to learn about these other people i think there was never like oh tell me about you know where you're from? Mm-hmm. We're always the ones when, even with like yeah. Afghani's or our interpreters, um, right? Like where are you, you're yeah. from, or how'd you learn this? He's like, oh, I grew up in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, yeah. wow. And you, yeah. yeah. And then he's right, making tons of money, yeah, to come over here and interpret for us and things uh-huh. like that.
0: That's crazy! I didn't even imagine that there would be interpreters that come from the United States to go back.
2: To yeah, I would always think it's just they learned English in yeah, Afghanistan, yeah. and
1: and you do have some of I'm those, sure but you yeah. also we had some you that were like work. actually from the states, hmm. um, and some of the like the people that work the dining facilities. You have a, again, it's right there's a handful of different countries on that base. Um, funny enough, I, I got a speeding ticket in in, in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. <laughs> no yeah. way, a Romanian <laughs> <No> MP. <laughs> pulled me over i was driving this what do you mean a romanian uh the romanians i guess ran like the police for the base or whatever part i was i don't fully understand it was the dumbest thing in the world (laughs) like i am literally in a war zone getting a speeding ticket (laughs) how fast were you going i was going like 30 and a 15 oh really
0: you're going 30 miles an hour or killing was it in kilometers or kilomile whatever our
1: car was oh you're right it was i don't even know Huh. I, so could you I could have been going No, I could have been going like over. twenty like miles per hour, but it was like fifteen, so it was like supposed to be like going five miles an hour or something. So I was like a good like fifteen or twenty over. Oh, mm. and um, what, did you had to pay something for that? No, that's what oh. it was so it was you like you get points. Oh, okay. It's a point system, there. A <laughs> guys. <laughs> I'm talking about the point system <laughs> on, on, on Bagram Airfield. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, was, we had um yeah our group had like two little like little suvs to drive around to like you go to like some of these bigger px's like if you're trying to go get like a new like animal stack for supplements or something or like creatine blend whatever Mm -hmm. you'd have to drive to like this px to go pick it up sure and yeah me and my buddy were driving there and we got pulled over It was like our yeah one time we had left so yeah i had to go to the mp's (laughs) office cuz you have to like go get someone higher with you mm-hmm. if you're below a certain rank i think it was like only a specialist on that deployment um and so but they're like yep just sign here that you know that he got this ticket or like he was pulled over or whatever yeah you're like all right cool
2: and what was your rank on that deployment
1: um a special, yeah, specialist yeah specialist so like a E4
0: what was your final rank as or what, what did you leave the military
1: as? I actually stayed techni- so are you technically, so pay-wise, the, pay-wise yeah. the same, um, but was a corporal, um, corporal, which means you can be like a team leader. Um, yeah. And is that uh, where
2: you go from a specialist? Like, is a specialist a corporal, or is there anything in between those two?
1: Nope. Corporals is what's, yeah. It's, it's probably a dumb a- question. Af- no, <laughs> it's not. Is after a uh, specialist, and then you'd go to sergeant, but you have to go to another school, it's like BLC, basic leaders course, um, to go pick up your E5 and your sergeant like thing and go to some boards. Um, and I was never very motivated to go do that. Because um, I had, at, um, so I didn't come in, like I said, with an option 40, I picked it up. What's crazy, I didn't know this at the time. I assumed that when I signed this new contract, mm-hmm. they, that I would end up with like a five-year contract. So I signed one for like, basically right under four years. And so I assumed it would change like a good five years. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't. So I pretty much, you know, had two years, um, before that deployment and then a training kind of cycle. And then it was time for me to either like get out. Um, cause it, you know, if you're going to get out, you want like six months to do it, which like, if you're going to get, you know, then technically it's eight. Um, but so all of this had kind of happened and then it was time for me to more or less look at, am I staying in or am I getting out? And I was like, i kind of done everything I wanted to do getting in and things were slowing down. And so I was like, oh, I'll probably just get out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now if I would have been longer, I'd have for sure gone to BLC and, and done that stuff. But um, I was just like, i think i'm getting out why would i go to a big army school blc those things are just silly yeah um it was just another step you weren't quite ready to do right yeah what
0: well i feel like we can't skip over afghanistan without at least asking you you don't have to give your take but obviously it's been it's been a mess the last month the last three weeks in afghanistan if you want this is your time now to, to, to give kind of your take on, on maybe the withdrawal or anything of it. What, yeah. what, even and your perspective your, even from being there because very
2: little people in the U.S. have uh, been to Afghanistan and served for
1: the yeah. USA. I think there's a lot of feelings that come to mind um, and that are describable. I think a lot just aren't. It's like it's too soon um, to really put some of that into, into words, I would say. Yeah. Um, to really simplify it though, just sad. Sad and, and depressing uh, and a little bit disappointing um, to kind of go out like that. Um, I, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, and I'd say that's probably the same emotions for the United States as well as the people there. Um, I, I mean... There already is, but I think there's going to be a large or a pretty substantial human rights crisis that comes out of this um, just off of, right, who the Taliban, who some of these groups are and what they believe in. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, in direct conflict with like, um, you know, women and their rights right, and basic human rights, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that's a woman, whether that's, you know, A straight, you know, male, what
2: have you.
0: Yeah, and obviously it's been covered very differently in the media from whoever you're looking at, but when you see people sympathizing with the Taliban, and there has been some people sympathizing with the Taliban, and you see interviews from, and there was a clip, I think it was, I believe it was 60 Minutes, who interviewed the Taliban like a week and a half ago, and there was a cutaway clip. It didn't make it on, on air, but it was a cutaway clip, and it somehow made it to Twitter. And there's like six dudes, and they're the alleged Taliban leaders or the spokespeople for the Taliban leaders, and they're talking to this lady out in, out in some field. And this lady asks them, so what, what are women's roles in politics going to be? And they start looking at each other, and then they just start cracking up. They start laughing. They're like, oh, we got to cut that. Like, you can't ask us that. And it's obvious, like, women aren't going to have any role. Like, that is a laughable. You ask the Taliban what role women are going to have in the government, and they laugh. They, they think it's a joke. And they, they legitimately did. Go look at the clip. The clip, it's all over Twitter. Yep. And when you see things like that, and you were fighting mostly ISIS when you were there, mm-hmm. but now the Taliban has kind of resurged, and they have taken control of the airport. They've taken control of the entire country. I mean, that that has to be infuriating in, in some sense.
1: Yeah. Um, it, a little bit. Um, I guess for, you know, for infuriating when, in the end, I mean, we did what we could. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, we didn't do a great job on probably leaving, um, obviously. Um, I think that's what's kind of, I mean... This might be the first time most major news networks have all more or less agreed on something like that. We're like, this was kind of, well, absolutely a poor, a poorly run operation. Mm-hmm. And who's to blame? I, they're going to write books and make movies about it because, mm-hmm. I mean, someone messed up in a major way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, to start, you got to look at Afghanistan as country, right? Um, you know, and I. It's had so many major players in terms of terrorist groups from, yeah, you know, the start of the Taliban and Al Qaeda, into ISIS and then back, really to the Taliban. Um, that maybe we we thought there was more hope than there actually was, but, um, you know, you'd have heard if. A couple of these bases that we were withdrawing from before we got to BAF and Kabul, um, if they were actually putting up fights and losing lives um, to try and like keep the Taliban out. But I, I mean, I've seen the videos and you can just watch the news. Like, you know, you don't even have to be a C student to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, is they're going door to door, base to base, saying, we're here. And those doors and those bases, you know, those doors are basically being like, we don't want to die mm-hmm. or have our heads cut off. Right. Come on in, raise your flag. We're not going to fight you anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a lack of hope. Yeah. Um, so again, I you know, I wasn't part of the intelligence community, so I don't know if people knew that this was going to be what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, it's a huge con yeah it's i mean super complex but um i don't think people thought it was going to ever really last but i'm sure no one knew that it was going to deteriorate the way that it did as fast as it did until recent and then now how that was handled again that's what life is right a series of unfortunate events that played a huge right the end product which is like you know how the heck did we get here right Um, and then we're judged on how he managed that horribly right. messed up situation, which, I mean, I'm going to give it an F. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, the, the Afghan You start with
0: them. When you look at, at those people who have been trained by the United States military for the better part of 20 years now to... Take over their government once the united states left i mean that was the original goal mm-hmm. at least that's what the the news told us right the goal was to go over there and to 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 get rid of the terrorist organizations and to create a government and to get that government to start running itself and protecting itself and serving itself and then the idea is after 20 years that that we start pulling out in a, in a deal that was started by trump to, to pull out by the end of august and then they start pulling out and the who knows what what the intelligent community knew and they now the reports in the media are saying that they were very well aware that the, that the government was going to collapse and that they told they told biden that and the, the administration that they were very well aware that the government was going to collapse and in a matter of days they they were pretty they didn't know exactly how fast it would be but they were they were pretty well aware at least in the last few months which has been reported in the last few days now um i don't know where i was going with that I lost my train of thought, but when when you hear about the Afghani people falling in that many days, and the president fleeing the country in what two hours after, or, or two days after, right. uh, a lot of I mean, two days. We're talking about twenty years worth of training, not not we're training one guy for twenty years, but yeah. the country for twenty years. And, right. In a matter of
2: days, they hours, fell apart. I mean, right, yeah. and hours. Twenty in years cases. of occupation to give it up within a day, and right. and that's yeah. not an indictment
0: on on the best military that's ever walk this planet, you know, that's not an indictment on that, but that's an indictment on those people. I mean, at some point it has to become self has to become their own responsibility to take care of their own people and whether they want to do that or not want to do that is not our choice. Right. And I mean, that's, that, that's gotta be something that, that everybody, whether you're serving the military or not, we all pay taxes. We've all sent not our own individual money, but we've, we've sent millions and millions and trillions of dollars, $2 if you want to look at the total cost we spent 2 trillion dollars of of aid and all that stuff too and whether that comes in the form of troops or being building building roads or building schools 2 trillion dollars over 20 years to Afghanistan and they fall in a matter of days I mean what what does that say about the people that and many of them are probably good people but when you get that herd mentality of of all these people in one camp being super aggressive towards the vast majority of Afghanistan. I mean, how do you how do you stop it? And it's a question that we can't answer. Right? The United States military hasn't had an answer for and we, we don't really know how to stop it. And now we're at a at a point where yeah, we've been there for two for 20 years and in 2 trillion dollars and we're not really any different than what we started at.
1: Right, we just gave them more equipment and uh, resources than they've ever had before. Yeah. Um, which yeah, and it, right, they're gonna make movies, and they're gonna write books, um, and that's right. I think you hit it very well. Is like you can't control some of that, but I think when you realize, right, of this really kind of two week or two and a half weeks. I think that the real pullout started in um, on August thirteenth, um, so middle of August. We're at the end, you know. So two, two and a half weeks. But, yeah, when you realize in the first two days that, I mean, the leader of that country has run off with a substantial amount of money. Gone. And it's gone. Yeah. I think that's when you realize, and, oh, by the way, over the past six months, any base you've left has been quickly not overrun. It's not like the Taliban's just, like, you know, forcing their way. It's being handed over to them. Right. Or abandoned to then, sites that they're to to then, Right, be like, again, whatever decision was made, and I'm not a general, um, thank God. I think those people, a lot of res- resignations are being sent to their offices. I, I, I don't know how you fight for some of them at this point because, mm-hmm. right, at what point it wasn't like, okay, this is not how we envisioned it. We can live with giving the Taliban you know, 60 UH, 60 helicopters over 10 years. But the front that right to like in two days, them to have a fully functioning air force, right? You know, Mm -hmm. 300 LMTV, like the, the amount of, I think is wild. So to, to continue, know that, right. Things have changed maybe out of your control. Maybe not. I don't know. But things have definitely changed and to just continue to say, yeah, we're going to leave everything. I, I mean, the Taliban hasn't changed. Um, you know, uh, right. I don't know. I think it's still spelled the same. Right. Right. I, think I mean, they you look pulled, it up, it's a terrorist group. Yeah. They already um,
0: pulled the women out of school.
1: Yeah. So They're the, the fact that we were okay with just handing all of that stuff over, the fact that Okay, so your government is now gone. Is that really Afghanistan or is that a Taliban-controlled area of land? And if that's the case, I don't think we've signed a truce with the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said we could leave um, and that they wouldn't do anything. And granted, they technically haven't. That was ISIS-K. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the Taliban. Do we do we really care that much about... Um, you know, can't we drop some pamphlets, lock gates, and at least, I mean, drop some ordinances on 60 helicopters when we realized two days into a two-and-a-half-week process this wasn't going to work? Mm-hmm. And that, well, okay, let's just not give them everything. Um, but that's not what we did, which I think is just the oddest thing in the world because yeah. that's the first when So, I mean... That was our protocol. If something went wrong and we had to, let's say, a helicopter gets shot down or is beat up and we have to crash land or whatever it is. I mean, You'd the Navy SEALs yeah, did it, right, um, with the Osama bin Laden raid. Mm-hmm. You blow that, right, you you don't give them anything. Oh, you don't even want to be able to use two wires to, like, charge a cell phone. Right. You blow it up and you leave. So, again, right, in a perfect world we could have left and Afghanistan would, you know, I don't know, continue farming dirt perhaps. But that's not what happened. Yeah. And then to just be okay with handing that amount of things is yeah, is is sad, disappointing. I think it's it's a huge slap in the face. Even right, we spent two trillion. What's one more million? Um Just so that we already have a huge, I mean, 22 veterans are killing themselves a day. Mm -hmm. And now you have an entire generation, maybe two, maybe one and a half, that spent their youth over there, lost their friends over there. And you didn't just say, hey, you know, things aren't going well, we're leaving. I think everybody knew eventually we have to leave. You spent enough time over there. It's not a super great country when you really, really look at it. Um, and I mean, if that's not evident now that there was no bloodshed there in the Taliban other than ours. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any, you know, locals other than people that helped us that are being killed right now. Right. Everyone handed that back over. They were totally okay with that. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we are the ones that paid the price. And then now to just leave it like that, I think, is, is a big slap in the face to those people. And I think you're going to see, I mean, that number of 22 people because, unfortunately, there's not a lot of hope going around these days anyway. Yeah, I think that was just a poor, right? Why not spend a little more million, mm-hmm. millions of dollars yeah. to at least make it you know look like we, we tried instead of just being like, hey, right, instead of forcing those people to... I mean, you have to force yourself to go find your reason reasonings of why you spent that time, why your buddies are dead. Mm -hmm. And that without being like, yeah, what a waste. Because it wasn't a waste. It definitely wasn't. But if you look at everything, it would very much look that way. Yeah. And you have people that, yeah, don't have a lot of hope and that's what they see. And if they're not willing to look a little deeper and realize that it truly wasn't a waste. But again, yeah, you're just there's people that don't don't do that. Yeah. and won't do it, and, and I, so I think that was kind of um, a poor way to pull out, knowing that that's I mean, twenty yeah. years of people. Yeah, right? this wasn't Vietnam. That was like a handful of years that were real, real bad. This is twenty years of yeah. of people and mothers with, you know, one less son. Right. And and yeah.
0: And that's kind of what the media narrative is right now at least in some fronts is that what did what was the point of that and what was the point of 20 years and obviously you have the personal experiences to say that you went there and it wasn't way because you you can think back of times that you personally impacted somebody's life and whether that be saving them from this terrorist who was living in their town and you literally killed the person that was going around and killing all these people or trying to enslave these people to follow this cult religion uh, or, or, or whatever, I'm not calling Muslim a cult religion, but whatever they were trying to do, you have the personal experience that it wasn't a waste. I mean, I, I saved this person and this person and this person, and maybe not directly saved their lives from a gunfight, and maybe some cases you did, but the, the impact of 20 years of United States military in that country it, it is not gone away by a couple of bad decisions by people in the higher-up military. Although that might be the way the media is portraying it, I mean, there's still a lot of good things that were done there. I mean, look at—I would—I would love to see a, a plain shot of what the country looked like before we got there and what we looked like, what it looks like now Absolutely. because it's completely different. I mean, there wasn't roads, there wasn't all the whatever basically every single major infrastructure that was built there was built by the United States Army, was built by the Army Corps of Engineers, with all the roads and all that kind of. I mean. Sure, they had some stuff there beforehand, but, and this is a, a common thread throughout the United States' history of the, of the military. They go to these countries, they help build them roads and schools and sanitation plans and and all these things just to have a society which isn't gone away now that the fact that the Taliban is there. So there's certainly things that human rights and, and basic freedoms that are now taken away from women and other people in the country, but... There's still things that are there that are literally permanent and, and feelings that you've left with certain people that are never going to leave that country yeah. and that is something that's probably lost in the in the, the mainstream media right now
1: yeah I, I think that's a great point I mean I right what other country is doing that and right I mean we're at war with ourselves right now look at the media look at the divide but I mean they're right. Our country's horrible, and we're this and we're that. Maybe. But we're the best country in the world, hands down. And the fact that we spent 20 years, you know, to try and help another country that, I mean, did us wrong, the people in it, mm-hmm. it goes to show just how great we are. Yeah. No, we're not perfect. Um, so, you know, I think that's the silver lining. Hopefully that can be portrayed, and we can come together over that knowledge and and continue to fix things. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, people aren't seeing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's something I've noticed while looking at like the social media coverage and obviously social media isn't a good way to get news or in a good, like educative informational way to decide decisions about a topic, but it's definitely something we look to, um, in 2021 social media is a part of pretty much everybody's lives and just seeing people I guess on Twitter specifically like complain about the situation in Afghanistan and of course it deserves negative criticism about how we got out of Afghanistan and what we could have done better and all that but just to hear people complain about the U.S. and like U.S. citizens saying like oh I'm ashamed to live in the U.S. which sure you can you don't have to agree with what happened but The U.S. is the best country out there. We're so fortunate to just win the lottery and be born in the U.S. compared to, and uh, it's even more obvious than it should be right now with girls not being able to go to school Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan, gay people getting killed in Afghanistan. Like, we're the most tolerant country out of 200 plus countries in the world because of what our military has done in the past. And it's just even more obvious. Um, Than it should have been before this, but we are just so fortunate compared to these third world countries, whatever you want to call them, that don't have basic freedom and basic rights, which people should have. And just so many people, it seems like our age or younger, just take so much of that for granted and get Mm -hmm. caught in the whole social media and the media in general, all the U.S., the U.S. this, U.S. that. We're so fortunate and the whole... Kubal, Afghanistan situation has just exemplified it. We do some things great. We, we do a lot of things great. We do some things not great. And this is one of those instances, like you said, books and movies will be made out of this. But at the end of the day, we're Americans. And we are so lucky and so fortunate to be an American citizen.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it, it's actually portrayed blatantly to us. Think about the videos that every major media news outlet showed. Do like where else and what other country, you know, does this happen where people are hanging on to the side of planes to try and get out? Mm -hmm. Not not to, you know, not Spanish planes, not Russian Soviet planes, not Soviet, but, Mm -hmm. you know, not China, not planes to to Germany, to the United States. They're willing to hang on to the side of a plane to get out throw their babies over a barbed wire fence. Mm. I, Right.
0: And in some cases, it's, it's I'm blatant. sure yeah. they knew that, that they weren't going to be able to hang on to a jet going across the world. Like, and I'm sure in some of these people were thinking my best option is falling off a jet from 10,000 feet up in the air or staying to live in a Taliban run country. Yep. And they chose to die from 10,000 feet. Yep. And that's, that says everything you need to know about yeah. what, That organization stands for, no matter what they're being portrayed as in the media or what they're saying on their social media accounts or their Twitter accounts, which somehow in hell is still allowed (laughs) by Jack Dorsey and Twitter, that's a whole other conversation, the fact that the Taliban is on Twitter. Uh, That tells you everything you need to know. There is citizens of their country hanging on to a jet that's taking off on a runway, which is a, a, a sure death. They, whether they know it or not, and I'm sure most of them did, that they're hanging onto a plane that's about to go hundreds of miles an hour and tens of thousands of feet into the air, where there's no oxygen. They're going to die, and they chose death over living in a country run by the Taliban. And that tells you everything you need to know about about that country, about the way it's ran, and about that party, or or that not that party, but that organization, the Taliban. And that is, I mean, it's heartbreaking to see those videos. And it really gives you an appreciation of, of how lucky we are to be born in this country. And I know there's probably a couple of Australians, maybe Oscar, listening <laughs> to this. Uh, but to be born in a free country that's not controlled by a, a radical group of, of terrorists. And that's just, we're incredibly lucky.
1: Yeah, incredibly blessed, right? Lottery tickets. I right. couldn't have said it better. That's yeah. Right. And on. if that's yeah, if videos of dudes hanging on to planes isn't I mean right, and we have again a divide over like the border and how that but again the the what is being portrayed just blatantly is that thousands of people <laughs> no one goes south of Mexico to try and get into Panama. Right? No mm-hmm. one's going there. Uh, maybe there is someone. I don't know. But not thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, uh, again, America's not perfect, but there's a reason. Thousands of people cross over fences and deserts and apparently now hang on to sides of jets mm. to do it. We're broken, but we're still the best country in the world.
0: Okay. We invented the light bulb. We invented the car. We invented the <laughs> airplane. We invented these microphones. We're talking on, we invented the laptop, I'm looking at the refrigerator, the washing machine, the TV, I could go on and on and on. The American ingenuity is unmatched in human history, at least the human history that we know about. And when people think that we aren't living in the greatest republic in human history, and when they start to complain about this or that or the other thing, we just have no sense of what the reality of this world has looked like for the last... 4.6 billion years, and however many years that humans have lived on this earth, we have no perspective of of what people have gone through. And I think that just is a product of the the spoiled uh, culture of America that we're so lucky to have grown up in this massive bubble we call the United States of America, that we don't have the full perspective of human history, of, of slavery, of mass floods, of disasters destroying the entire society that we know and we just don't have that. We have the pandemic of uh, of twenty twenty, and that's or, or of twenty uh, the COVID pandemic. That's what the closest thing our generation has to a life altering event that has completely shifted the entire world. And that is nothing compared to uh, what has happened in, in other countries around the world for the last hundred million years. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's something we're, we're we're kind of spoiled to be a part of of that ignorance of of americans and it's a blessing and a curse but it's something that we're learning more about each and every day very fascinating casey thanks for coming on we're going to do this again (laughs) for sure because we haven't even (laughs) hit probably 20 percent of of what we could talk about and i'm sure there's millions of stories you could tell us and and a whole bunch of more insights so let's do
1: it again i appreciate it. it was an absolute pleasure thank you thank you
0: you are.